Welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the executive director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering from the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. I am joined by, as always, the ambitious angel mom herself. Say hello to the people, Bryn. Hello, everyone. Hi, Philip. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. That's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, how, how, how's your day? My day's doing good. Great, yeah. yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we wanted to thank everybody for tuning in to the third episode of our Grief and Addiction podcast series uh, featuring Allie Berman. If you have been listening over the last couple of weeks, you now know most of Allie's story, but we'll kind of wrap it up here a little bit for you. Uh, Allie is Lexa's mom. Lexa is her angel. Lexa was her beautiful daughter who died at 23 months from a, a tragic accident. But that is not where Allie's story begins or ends. The, uh, Allie actually has been suffering with addiction uh, since she was a teenager. And so we talked with her not only about Lexa, her angel, in episode one, mm -hmm. which was very beautiful. And she talked about how Lexa beat all the odds and was born in the first place. Yeah. Incredible. But also that Allie had incredible addiction issues throughout all of her life, yeah. including her time with Lexa. So um, mm -hmm. you heard last week a little bit about, well, not a little bit, you heard a lot about Allie's addiction and how it really gripped her life, even when she had Lexa. Yeah. Uh, episode one, of course, was just all about Lexa and, and how she was born and, and how she came into the world and how she impacted folks. Today's podcast is hopefully an uplifting one. Well, we know it's uplifting because it, it was really amazing to talk to her about her eventual recovery. It her is, recovery yeah. really centers around Molly, her new daughter. Right. Another huge blessing. Yes, and you'll you'll hear it when we when when we get into the when we get into the podcast. An incredible blessing, yeah. a miracle, baby. Really. Yeah, I really do feel like Molly has saved Allie's life. It's it seems like it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, it's one of those. I don't know. I mean, we we are we are a spiritual podcast. It's called Angel Talk. Mm -hmm. It is one of those moments yeah. where you go, boy, you, she sure was placed in your lap by something bigger than us. Yes. Right. And so I think that that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Divine that, alignment. Yeah. That's what ah! we yeah, we talked about that last yeah. night on um, Shiro Talk. Yeah. And um, another podcast that I was a part mm -hmm. of, and. Mm -hmm. They talk about divine alignment where, you know, you just know it's right because God places these yep. life experiences, yep. you know, and people in your path. And I do feel after listening to Allie's story, like Molly is divine alignment Absolutely. for her Absolutely. and her journey at the right time. And it's, yeah. it's such a beautiful story. Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear all about it. It's it's an incredible miracle mm -hmm. that Molly was even born. Yeah. And so you'll hear you'll hear that in the interview. We as we wrap this up, we, you heard me talk a little bit about some of the stats of addiction that were quite sobering in episode one, you know, tougher. Mm -hmm. uh, talk a little bit about treatment, though, because yeah. we are talking about recovery, which I think is, you know, very important to talk about as well. Not not everybody has a chance to get to this phase, unfortunately, but if you can, um, there are some interesting statistics on treatment. Uh, in 2017, an estimated 20.7 million people aged 12 and older needed treatment for substance use disorder. 
Only 4 million people received the treatment and were only 19% of those who needed it. So as we kind of talk about people, you know, this is still a hard spot to come by. Mm -hmm. Also in 2017, this is the last time they kind of took statistics for this, of the more than 18 million people who needed it but did not receive the treatment, only 1 million of those people, or 5.7%, felt that they needed it. Oh. And so I think that that's a big deal. I think that's wow. one of those things is that recognition that you actually need the that you need the help to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous has more than 120,000 groups in more than 175 countries around the world and more than 2 million members. So there are organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, there are even organizations that help family members of folks who are alcoholics like Avalon. Oh, yeah. So if you are, I cannot stress this enough, if you are feeling like you want to turn a corner, like you're you're over this part of your life and you and you finally have ownership over it and you, you want ownership over it, uh, there are places out there. Just Google it. I beg you because yeah. you can get better. Uh, Allie's story. And it sounds like there's a lot of options out there. Absolutely. Allie's mm-hmm. story proves it, as yeah. we will talk about here uh, in the in this podcast, Allie's stories Allie's story proves that you can go all the way down, mm-hmm. and you can still actually you make can your actually way come up. back out. That's right. So we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, blather on too much. We're gonna we are gonna now toss it to the final interview with Allie on her recovery. Here it is. Okay, Allie. So let's lead into that again. You are in Subway after your sister's wedding, <laughs> and you yeah, have you have found out that you're pregnant again. And let's go yeah. from there, and we'll talk about how that led to your eventual recovery and then uh, the birth of Molly. Okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, this was a, a month or so after my sister's wedding, mm-hmm. and so I was running and gunning that whole time. You know, had no. I, I honestly didn't see an end in sight. Mm. I didn't know how I, I probably just figured I was just going to, you know, burn out one way or another, mm-hmm. whether it be um, go back to shooting up again or get arrested, go to jail. I mean, at that point in time, I really didn't care. Mm. So I, 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 in Subway, I, you know, I was elated, absolutely excited. And my boyfriend was just so supportive mm-hmm. and was like, you know, what do we, what do we do next? You know, how are we going to do this? Um, what do I need to do for you? Let's go get you some vitamin, you know, so almost a completely different experience from the one that you had previously. Yes. Yes. Well, because I think, you know, to not to, you know, he, he knew how bad that I wanted to be a mom again and how he had been with me, you know, and watched me suffer and wake up, you know, from those dreams you know, I'd have dreams that my daughter was laying next to me and it would be so real. And then I'd wake up and reality would hit and I'd, yeah. you know, not have her. And, you know, he was with me all those sleep, sleepless nights. So, mm. um, but yeah, so I, um, I was so excited and then I, I started, you know, thinking, well, wait a second, because I was told by, you know, countless doctors at the hospital, especially my cardiologist, that I absolutely should not even think about having a baby for five years and that I possibly, you know, needed to have, um, uh, my heart, uh, another heart surgery, heart valve replacement. And mm-hmm. so I was like, started to get bummed out again and was like, well, shoot, you know, what am I going to do? And, um, I pretty much, you know, I had been in at that point in my life where, you know, obviously 
I was down on myself and, you know, not like a Debbie downer. Obviously I had things, you know, to be sad about, but I honestly didn't have anything that I wanted to look forward to. Cause I just figured, well, it's just going to get ruined anyways, or I can't, I'm on drugs. I can't pull it off. You know, uh-huh. nothing goes my way. And so I just pretty much figured that I wasn't going to be able to have a baby and not even to get excited about it. I, um, on the way home, I made the call, um, to my cardiologist and I, I believe it was a weekend because he didn't call back for like a week. Oh, jeez! Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I left a message and explained my situation and, um, he, I, I, at that point just continued doing what I was doing and was just like, well, you know, I, I pretty much count myself out. I, I knew in my heart that. I wasn't going to get to have a baby and that I'm just going to be stuck in this life forever. It's what I thought. It's what I believed. And he called me a week later and said, Hey, um, you know, I want you to come in, let's get you, um, an echocardiogram done and let's get some, um, images of your heart. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk after that. And so I went in and, um, got it done. And I think it was a f- couple days, maybe, he called and he was like, Allie, are you sitting down? And I was like, yeah. And I'm just like expecting him to be like, uh, yeah, this is really bad. You need to come in for surgery or whatever, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm sitting down. And he was like, well, I just want to tell you, congratulations. You're going to be a mom. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Oh <laughs> I was just like, absolutely, you know, blown away and was, so excited and that day i haven't used since that day wow (laughs) unbelievable yeah so now i'll I'll have three years clean yeah yeah Yeah, that's incredible turned around so i mean you are you are by far an incredible roller coaster success story right (laughs) yeah what lessons did you pull out of of those times when you were, when you were experiencing addiction that you look back on now and, and think to yourself, I, but it was a hard way to learn that one, but I learned it. What sort of lessons did you take away from those experiences? Well, I mean, so for one, like I was talking about earlier, you know, I think at that point in time, I really wanted somebody to just listen to me. I wanted a friend. I wanted, you know, just, to be able to talk about, you know, my life and what had gone on. And like I had said, you know, people on drugs don't care. They do not care about what you have to say Mm -hmm. unless you're offering them something. And so that was one major lesson that I continued to learn. And I think that, um, I, the biggest one, you know, which I, I, to this day, I mean, I tell everybody, you know, you're never going to heal when you're using drugs. You're, you just won't. It pretty much where you started, where you, pa- you your life pretty much pauses mm. like that point of addiction or in, um, sorry, grief. Mm-hmm. Um, like the day that I started using, like I wasn't, nothing changed. It didn't help any, it didn't, mm-hmm. um, I didn't move forward in any way. I pretty much was able to numb out, Mm -hmm. but everything, the moment I stopped using all of that stuff hit me like a wall of bricks. Mm. Yeah. And it came back up again and I had to really, you know, navigate. Start over. 
Yeah. Yeah. And get involved in recovery. And I had to get, you know, I got back on board with my wonderful, amazing doctor who I cannot say enough about Mm. Karen. Mm -hmm. Um, I got in to see her right away and she was the one who actually let me hear Alexa's heartbeat for the first time. And she let me hear Molly's heartbeat for the first time. Very cool. How neat that she's been on your journey the whole time too. That's really cool. You, you kind of, you put it in such a great term, this idea of all, all the addiction did, all the drugs did was pause what you yeah. should have been attempting to go through in the first place. Yeah. Would you today say to people, you need to go through those feelings as hard as they are, the drugs are, are just basically, uh, they're all they are is just you running from what you're going to have to confront in the first place. Is that kind of how you would, how you would see that today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, I mean, for anybody who, you know, is going through or, you know, God forbid has to go through this type of loss or any kind of loss, you know, and are a former addict or, you know, in remission from their use. Mm -hmm. um, I would say to them that, you're, I mean, that's, it's not going to do anything for you, but pause. Like I just talked about, yeah. I mean, you're not going to experience anything, but loss, more loss in your life. Mm. I mean, lose the people that are important to you. You know, you lose literally everything and you just end up in a worse spot than you were in. I right. So like then you're like left with both the loss and your addiction. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I feel like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like if someone would have told me, you know, from the get-go of, about drugs and how addicting they are and how life-changing, I feel like my my life would be different. And I feel like other people's lives would be different. And I feel like, you know, I've openly talked about um, with my boyfriend now about how we are going to absolutely be 100% open and honest with Molly yeah. about drugs yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, who we are and you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's people that always, always are there to listen for you in recovery. There's recovery lines. I mean, uh-huh. there's meetings, there's, there's what, I mean, there's websites you can go on and chat lines and hotlines. I mean, there's, even if, you know, it sounds kind of silly because I mean, back way back when, you know, if you would have told me, Oh, call this hotline before you try this, I would have been like, what the heck are you talking about? But now it's like, dang, if somebody, like I said, I just wanted somebody to listen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you probably just so feel happy. so alone. And it's like, mm-hmm. just from an outsider's perspective, looking in, it seems like when you're already going through grief and you feel alone in that respect, it's probably like the drugs are like all you have. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, I felt like, you know, I remember countless times, you know, my my boyfriend now would hear me because he used with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Would tell me all the time when I'd start talking about it in front of, you know, other drug addicts, like don't even, they're not worth it. They don't even deserve to hear this. They don't care. Stop talking about it. And I would get upset because I just wanted to talk about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And now I, I look at it and it's like, you know what? It's so, so true because, there, there were times where people would misconstrue, you know, what I was saying, mm-hmm. you know, would take, you know, per really personal information that I shared about my daughter's accident and they would make up rumors or lies about it and tell other people, mm. you know, they, I mean, there was this rumor that, um, 
I, uh, gosh, that I knew that my daughter was going to get run over, but I risked her getting run over because I wanted a cigarette. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just, you know, really hurtful stuff. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Just beyond hurtful, ridiculous, you know? So I don't know. I mean, if I just would have had somebody to talk to. Yeah. Let's talk about the reason why you found yourself getting sober. Let's talk a little bit about Molly. So today you have, you have Molly and how old is she now? She just turned two on May 18th. Excellent. So can you talk a little bit about who Molly is and, you know, how you guys interact with each other? Oh, my gosh. So Molly is a little tyrant. She's <laughs> a little burrito and a little cheerleader packed in one. I mean, she... um She's got, I mean, she's got quite the vocabulary. She's <laughs> a so you got to watch what you say around her sometimes. <laughs> I'll stub my toe and she'll hear me say, you oh, know, yeah. You know, she's a little parrot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but she is absolutely, I mean, every day, you know, I get to wake up and I get to be a mom again. Um, you know, I, I, I can't explain how much she's lit up my life I was so worried when she was you know when the clock was ticking you know for her due date mm-hmm. I was like absolutely worried oh my god is she gonna look like Alexa mm-hmm. and how is that gonna make me you know upset all the time is you know what kind of characteristics is she gonna have is she not gonna look like her at all and is that gonna make me upset yeah. and she has the perfect amount of Alexa in her oh. <laughs> You know, she'll do like little, little looks with her eyes or little expressions on her face. And, you know, all the time, you know, remind me of her, Mm. but she's her own person for sure. And she's got such a huge personality and she's, she's really funny and she just loves to, I mean, I have um, a lot of girlfriends and it seems like um, all of them have kids that are like at least one to two years older so she's like you know the little follower right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she is so, so badly you know like she doesn't i've tried to put on the movie frozen for her <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't sit still for nothing yeah. but her, her friends who are four years older yeah. you know elsa and anna elsa and anna and so today she was telling me that i'm elsa and she's anna that's awesome <laughs> oh. this makes my heart so happy that's to hilarious. hear that's that's awesome. So the last thing I want to I want to ask you, Allie, is a little bit about Alexa's legacy. So that's one of the things that sometimes I think people don't understand. And I'll be honest with you, when I first started working at Race for Rowan, I didn't even understand until I began to talk to Bryn and more and more of our of our angel parents, angel fathers, because we had a huge segment on that. And and what I found myself kind of never fully understanding until I began talking to people is that a legacy can be established really in the blink of an eye. It doesn't you don't have to live to 85, 9 years old and do these incredibly huge and monumental things in order for you to have a legacy and leave an impact on people. Can you talk a little bit about Lexa's impact and her legacy on you? Yeah. Um, so I made a promise to Alexa. Um, you know, I have this ring on my finger and I got her father the same ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put one on her finger when we uh, put her to rest. Um, but oh I made a promise to her. 
I made the promise that I wouldn't use anymore or, you know, that I would live out my life for her. And I, you know, I, I absolutely broke that first promise to her, but today I, I try and live my life every day for her. I try mm. and look for her, you know, and like the butterflies, there's yep. like, you know, these white butterflies that fly around. They, they fly around um, like my niece, my nephew and Molly, like every time we're outside, you know, like your angel signs, Bryn, like your, your feathers and stuff. We yeah. have butterflies for Alexa and we put those on her headstone. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, her, her legacy, I mean, she was such a bright light for mm-hmm. so many for her sister i mean like i said i just went to her party the other day and i mean I, in everything that she does she always makes it a point to try and include alexa and try and you know bring her up and you know yeah. she wants to know all about her and talk about her and you know um i think that we all live a little for her each day yeah you know yeah. We, we do the things that she couldn't do you know yeah well, Allie, this was amazing. Thank uh, you for being so open. About thank you your for thank journey. you for being so open and honest. And uh, we want to thank you for for coming on the podcast. Of course, thank, thank you, you for having me. Okay, so that was our interview with Allie. Doesn't everybody feel better? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful ending. I love endings like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's real life, so yeah. that makes it even better. Yeah, we, incredible, incredible. I mm-hmm. think what it, it just goes to show you is that even if you get to bottom, even if you are one of those folks who find out what rock bottom is, yeah, that you can still come back from that. Right. You know? Uh, and and we will have a we will have a podcast on mental health and suicide. And I have talked with you, Brent, about this before. The suicide, the teenage suicides that we receive mm-hmm. are always the toughest ones for me. So hard uh, because of the potential life that 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 can continue after that, and how how much despair you have to be in in, in right. order to get to that point, and how I just wish that nobody ever got there. Right, and uh, usually people around you don't even have a clue that that's you know how you're feeling right it's just it's very sad yeah yeah and and this was a perfect example of of why you should keep fighting that story about molly and how she found out in a subway yeah it's so cool (laughs) it's so great and then you even look at the different people she had in her universe at Mm -hmm. that point right the when she talks about her original issues with addiction the, these folks are dark around her. They they don't care about her in any way. The guy she really likes doesn't doesn't want to be around her. Right. And in in fact, when she actually finds out that she's pregnant with Lexa, the doctor and her boyfriend are like, "Uh, you should get rid of her." Yeah, that's right? awful. Um, like and, nobody had hope in her. Exactly. And then you 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 look at that, and then you look at today where we talk about. Mm-hmm. The exact opposite experience she has when she finds out she's pregnant with Molly, the boyfriend, who she even admits was a a gentleman who used with her, Mm -hmm. was like, this is great. This is amazing. This is everything you've ever wanted. And and the idea that that support structure was there. And she had to go through so much to get to that part. It's so beautiful. It's really great. It's a beautiful way to wrap up this podcast. Um, And I can just say that I know Allie's story is not over. Um, I think this is just the beginning of a really beautiful life that she is going to live and do really great things. And I just have a hunch, but she's going to probably 
probably do something along the lines of helping other addicts with recovery. And I could see her easily being a speaker somewhere. Yeah. Um, Allie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us uh, and our listeners because it was an emotional journey, but I do think it was so educational. It opened my eyes to so many things. um, And it, it kind of correlates with grief. You know, I think of how she felt with just battling her addiction and how I felt with just battling my grief and how you feel alone and you feel depressed and you feel lost and you feel hopeless. And she was already feeling all those things before she even experienced the loss of a child. Um, Wow. What a journey to take with, with Allie. And I just thank you so much for sharing your story with us and you have amazing things coming. I already just know it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Allie, there's just there's just no way to put it. It was we were just happy to be here while uh, while she was going through everything. Just just great, just amazing. So thank you so much, Allie. Thank you so much to the listeners for 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 listening and 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 liking and subscribing. We encourage you to share this series of podcasts with people in your life that you think uh, this could really affect and touch. We do want to have we have one more side note. Um, you may you may not know this, but uh, our very own ambitious angel mom is is doing a series of of I feel like they're TED Talk ish style things. Yes. What, uh, yeah. What's the name of this organization you're going to be partnering with? Yes, I actually have been a part of Shiro Talk, and it is the Redefining You Foundation, and they invited me to be a guest speaker, mm-hmm. and they will be hosting a show that you can purchase your tickets. They also offer swag, but they have eight guest speakers, myself included, and it's really just a journey of empowering women and sharing our stories, and the proceeds will go to the Redefining You Foundation. Mm-hmm. It's just a really cool series because it's uplifting, empowering women, basically women supporting women, yeah. all of those great things. But yeah, it's TED Talk style. So I think you'll hear eight guest speakers with eight minute speeches. Cool. Really um, moving. Talk about their stories. Yeah. Life stories. Very cool. So yeah, check it out. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you check that out. She is on there and she talks about her story. Bryn talks about her story. I do. I share yeah. my story and I am excited just to listen to the other yeah. Uh, women's yeah, stories that'll, as that'll well. That would be great too. Um, making change in the world mm-hmm. and just it's amazing when you can lift one another up. Very cool. And get something out of that. Very so. cool. Very cool. So take a listen to that. Visit their Facebook page as well. Yes. Uh, so again, thank you, Allie, for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week, we will be back with some new podcasts, new content that we'll be excited to share with you. But until then, we will see you next week. See you later. See you later.